to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Greetings, Australia. To those of you that are down under, this is Bishop Vaughn McLaughlin of the Potter's House International Ministries. This is your main man. This is your brother from another mother. This is the man that has connected with the man in Casey City by the name of Larry Sebastian, a son, a spiritual son, a man who reverences so many, who acknowledges the fathers in his life, and a man who has acknowledged me as a father in his life. And today is Father's Day in Australia, not here in the United States of America, but in Australia, and I'm godly proud to be able to come to you as a spiritual father and be able to speak into the life of your ministry and even into your country right now, but more specifically into the hearts of the people who call Casey City Church their home church. I love you guys and I appreciate you so much. Thank you for letting me minister this morning to you in Australia. So I want to look at the scripture and then I want to do my proper introductions because I just want us to hear what the scripture says and I'm going to lift one simple topic and then I'm going to talk about that. I know it's Father's Day. I may not talk about uh, earthly fathers a whole lot, but I will talk about our father. Luke chapter 11 verse 2 says, and he said unto them, when you pray, say, our father, which art in heaven. When you pray, say, Our Father. I'm going to share with you from the topic, Our Father. Father, bless this word now. Bless the hearers. Let them hear what the Spirit says unto the church. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I got to get personal and share some things with you. And I want you to get this from my heart to you right now. I want you to know that it was around 10 years ago that a call came into my office here in Jacksonville, Florida. The call was from a semi-young Malaysian-born pastor living in Australia that had dreams of going where no man had ever gone before. He was obviously a Trekkie and a techie. A Trekkie because of his fascination with the Star Wars mantra. You've seen it. Captain Kirk said it like this, that we can go, the boldly go where no man has gone before. Uh, he was fascinated with that mantra and it was in one of the videos that we had done that reflected on what our church's mission was and what we were doing. He's a techie in the fact that he found me some 10,000 miles away, sight unseen, with the help, of course, of Princess Layla, better known as Karen also. <laughs> so I found out that he was married also to a beautiful woman, a woman born in Malaysia but built and assembled with Chinese parts, Krista. <laughs> One of the most powerful women. I sense the presence of God when I'm with her so often. And a wonderful mother, even as Larry is a great father. I discovered that they uh, were the proud parents of four of the most beautiful kids on the planet. Three boys and a little girl who I immediately fell in love with. And all of them won my heart. And all of them get my vote as the best group of kids in one house on the planet. Leon and Sean and Ryan, my boy, my Super Hawks fan. He got me a Hawks fan. I hope you're still a Hawks fan. And Olivia, 
little Olivia came and ran around here and stole the hearts of everybody with her charisma and her smile and such a gifted, gifted young girl. She learned it all from her mother. I mean her father. I mean her brothers, you know, from God. But I found out quickly when I began to engage them that there was a DNA match. I looked up KC City Church and I saw a reflection of myself. I saw a, a wonderful mixture of the church and the marketplace. And that's exactly what we're known for around the country as a marketplace ministry. But a local church where the marketplace is in the church and the church is definitely a part of the marketplace. So they came and they visited us to see the things that God had done through our local church to get an eyeball on it after reading about it. Things that um, involved us being more than just a local church that is full of preaching and teaching and trying to get folk to heaven, which is our ultimate function and our ultimate goal because woe is unto him that doesn't preach the gospel. But I believe that the local church is more. And I believe that Pastor Larry, the same. We are of the persuasion that the sovereign God, the creator of all things, the holy other, he who is transcendent and outside of time is also in time, intimately, uh, imminently also involved in the lives of his people on a daily basis. We believe that God, our Father, has sent his Son so that we can have eternal life. And so, yes, that we can go to heaven for sure. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. But also, God sent his Son so that we can experience a particular type of life while we're here. Jesus said that he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. That he might take what is in the Greek bios, regular, routine, mundane existence, and he might make it exciting. That he might give us the kind of life that God intended us to have when he created man. That's exactly what Jesus came to do. It's almost like a remake of Genesis. When God says, I created man in my own likeness and in my own image, after my own similitude, he made his man. And that God put them in dominion. He told them to be fruitful and to multiply, to replenish, subdue, and have dominion dominion. And I believe that that hadn't changed. I believe that when Christ came and recapitulated the life of Adam, that he gave us the ability that with this new divine nature to have access to the throne of God and to be able to experience the dominion that God had intended to begin with. Even if it's not complete and total dominion over the things that are in the earth that have a right to be here, things like death and disease and all that kind of stuff, it is at least dominion over our immediate environment where he placed us to be able to transform it, to be able to give God some glory by ministering to the felt needs of the people where we abide as a local church. You see, our Father, who is God, cares about us, and he cares about our quality of existence here on earth. Australia, hear me good as I prophesy to you, he cares about what you're going through right now in the midst of this pandemic. This is a worldwide conflict right now, worldwide crisis, and it is impacting you. I learned early that if God, though, is involved in our lives, if he is intimately and intimately engaging us, he is concerned about our existence. Then, if he's concerned about our existence and he's engaged with us, then we need to know that we should reflect his purposes 
for being his body here on the earth. That we are right now, our local church and every local church should be involved in the social, educational, economic, and spiritual empowerment of the people not only who abide and, and reside and work and labor with you as a local church, but the people of the community. And that we should be empowering people and experiencing these things on this side of heaven. And when I pray, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I understand that in heaven there's no lack, no want, no this, no that. But I also understand that he gave us gifts and said, occupy until I come. To gain interest, usury, to make sure that we do something with what he has given us. Not take it and hide it. But we are responsible for the felt needs of the people in our community. So when I saw the care and the concern that Larry had, not just for the local church members of Casey City, but the entire Victoria area, and I knew this was a match made in heaven. It was Father's Day weekend when they came to Jacksonville 10 years ago. 10 years ago this past June, on that Sunday, as I got ready to minister, I then stopped the service and invited Larry and Krista to the stage. And in front of thousands in attendance, Larry and I embraced and Krista and I embraced. And Larry uttered these words, we feel like we've come home. Whatever he was looking for, whatever was missing in his life, he felt at that moment, and I felt it also, that there was a divine connection. A connection across the seas, a connection around the world, a connection that distance cannot dissolve, a, con a connection that, that is matched by God from heaven. At home, it has been, because Casey City Church, you guys have a special place in our hearts. We're family, I've been twice, and going that far, that's a lot. I've been twice, and I always, I actually was trying to come before this pandemic, just to surprise you, just to be there with you, to spend time with you. I told Larry, just to eat and dine, just to rub elbows, get to know each other. And I was coming, and I'm coming when this thing is over. Well, after I came to Melbourne, Australia, I had already met Karen Alsop. I told you, that's his co-conspirator in this whole thing, his Princess, Princess Layla on his journey or his voyage to where no man has gone before. I also uh, met my friend Kevin when I got there who served me so graciously. Thank you, Kevin. Tendai, the Webbers, and others. And I just got to know people and I just enjoyed being with them and just enjoyed being there. I have an expression anyway. I think I shared it when I was there, seeing that we're from across the water and we're so different in so many ways, even in culture. I did say this, and I quote myself in saying, if God is your father, then I am your brother. Glory be to God. If God is your father, then I am your brother. I've discovered that both Larry and Krista are very sensitive to the things of the spirit. I've noticed that about them. In Casey City, you ought to be proud to have people that have an ear towards God. They are prophetic in nature. They love the word of God and they love the heart of God. Larry declared while he was here that he senses that father's heart in me. 
and he has a, um, a inkling. I mean, he has a desire for what the father wants and the father heart. And he saw that, he said, in me, in my relationship with my staff, my elders, my deacons, the local church, the community. I told Larry that if he's going to be exposed to a true spiritual father then, it could be the most empowering thing that has ever happened to him. The most exciting thing that has ever happened. To have a relationship with someone that you know loves you and loves God and you love them and love God. Recognizing a father's heart and receiving what they have to deposit can produce great rewards and um, produce fruit that can remain for generations to come. We need men like Paul to model for us what it is to be perseverant in ministry, what it means to endure hardness as a good soldier. People like Elijah to Elisha, what it means to be faithful to God and to believe in the power of God and trust God. We need to have people like Moses to Joshua's that can be models for them on listening to God and obeying God, even in the face of human suffering, which we are encountering right now with this pandemic. And so we need people that can teach us things like theodicy, which is a theological term that simply means the goodness of God, even in the face of human suffering, how that God is still gracious and kind and wonderful. He doesn't change because of what we go through. And we shouldn't change our attitude about him because of what we go through. There's a meta-narrative. Everything is all in the plan of God. I always caution those who have uh, this understanding of spiritual fathering and covering, even on Father's Day today, because there are two things that you must recognize when it comes to earthly fathers and spiritual fathers in particular. Number one, no true spiritual father will ever attempt to take the place of a biological father. When Larry and I connected, it wasn't about me becoming his new daddy because he only had one. He's genetically the product of his dad. And there's a special place always in the heart of a man for his father. Even on this Father's Day in Australia, there were years where I could not acknowledge my father because my father left when I was a young child, was not involved in my life at all, and even as an adult, not at all. But during that time, uh, God worked on me and God showed me. He showed me that my father was my father, that I'm here as a result of his relationship with my mother. And when the text says, honor your mother and your father, or your father and your mother, that your days may be long, there were times on Mother's Day I would preach about mothers, and then on Father's Day I would preach about mothers, and I would never acknowledge my father until God showed me that verse, and God has me now saluting my dad, Monroe McLaughlin, even in his departure. He is uh, not any longer with us in the physical but I do acknowledge the fact that he is my father. I even bear his name, it's my middle name. So to my father today, Australia style, happy Father's Day. No true spiritual father, secondly, will ever attempt to take the place of the heavenly father. That's something else we need to know. That's why people have a struggle with uh, fathering. They don't even uh, attempt to understand the verse where Paul says you have 10,000 instructors, but you have not many fathers. And so there are a lot of people who struggle with that, thinking the words of Jesus himself called no man father, because nobody can take the place of our heavenly father. It is not the Lord over people. It is not to be everything to a man. It's not for a man to have somebody to confess to 
to, con to console them even in the spirit realm. But this is just an honor where honor is due. But never should a spiritual father ever attempt to take the place of a heavenly father, nigh a, uh, neither a biological father. So think about this on this Father's Day as I get to my message here. God in heaven wants to relate to us as our father. He wants us to say our father. He wants to be personally our father. That's why when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, begin by acknowledging God as your father. Luke eleven two, and he said unto them, his disciples, when you pray, say, our father, which art in heaven, our father, both collectively and personally, make it personal. He's not just a God and father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, he's also our father. But for so many, many people, the concept of fathering and, and what fatherhood is comes from their encounters with flawed human fathers. So many people have this disruptive image of God based on the experiences that, that, that they've had with a natural father. But let me help you. Nobody has ever had a perfect earthly father. Men are not perfect. Men will fail. Nobody's ever had a perfect earthly father. And we should take fathers off a pedestal and try, stop trying to make them perfect and support them and help them because their job literally is a difficult job. No one has ever had a perfect spiritual father. I've seen so many people go in and out of relationships with certain people and certain spiritual fathers because the spiritual father proved not to be perfect, not to be attentive, not to do some of the things that they expect them to do. None's perfect. But our Heavenly Father, our God in heaven, he's perfect. He's perfect, the song says, in all his ways. He's even called perfect, complete, whole in the text in Matthew 5, 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. God is complete. He's whole. He lacks nothing. And everything he gives us to work with here on earth is from him. And it's perfect. These gifts are perfect. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God gives us gifts and God expects us to manifest and the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. God gives them to us to be used for his glory. And God doesn't turn his back on us. God doesn't forsake us. God will see us through until the end. So the song says he's perfect in all of his ways. Another song that I know Larry likes is he's a good, good father. That's who he is. He's a good, good father. And he loves us with an everlasting love. And in these times in which we're living right now, we need to understand that our father cares about us, that he loves us, and that he is in control. What's going on in earth, never forget this, is being controlled by what's happening in heaven. And our father in heaven sits on his throne. There's one that sits on the throne. In heaven, there's no dispute about who's in charge. In heaven, there's no dispute about who gets the glory. In heaven, there's no confusion 
over how things are going to turn out. In heaven, everybody beholds the lamb. Everybody knows that the lamb is worthy. Everybody knows that the lamb stands before the throne of God. Everybody knows that God is a spirit and God is on the throne of God. Everybody knows that the seven spirits stand before the throne of God. Everybody knows that the Holy Trinity is in its place in the presence of God in heaven. And so Jesus, when John was on the Isle of Patmos, all alone, hopelessly estranged, seemingly forgotten, feeling some kind of way, Jesus appears to him, and after he reveals who he is, then he says in Revelation 4, come up hither, and I'll show you some things. And what did he see? Again, one that sat on the throne. It doesn't matter how things look. It doesn't matter how bad things are. There's one that sits on the throne, meaning that there's one in charge. God is not competing with the devil to be God. God is not at war. God doesn't fight wars with the devil. He wins wars. And so God allows us to partake of the victory that he gave us through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And it is our revelation of that, it's our knowledge of that, that helps us to be what God has called us to be. So uh, can I get you to come up hither with me, Casey City? Can I get you to come up hither and see that there's one that sits on the throne, regardless of your stage four restrictions and your COVID lockdown rules, regardless of your curfew in the evening, your inability to go out as a family and to enjoy the things that you normally have enjoyed? You need to know that there's one that's in charge. You need to know because we have a loving and a caring father who knows all things, we need to spend this time getting to know him. If they're going to lock us down, God had to say you can go home, but do what you got to do when you're home. Turn your houses into sanctuaries. Turn your houses into houses of prayer. Come back to the dinner table. Enjoy each other's presence. Get to know him right now. He slowed us down, taking away our entertainment and our ability to go this and that and everywhere. Remove the idol shepherds and the idols out of our hearts right now. And he has us on lockdown. It's time to get to know God. Maybe God has something to do with this. Daniel 11.32 says, them that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Romans 8.28 says, for we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Knowing seems to grant us some liberties that not knowing does not. So when we know God, we can do great exploits. When we know this, all things are working together for the good, then we don't stick our head in the proverbial sand or like an ostrich in the dirts of Australia. So we got to see this. You need to know that as a good father, a perfect father, and our father, that God has a paternal responsibility for us. In other words, our parents are given to us to instruct us, to protect us, to provide for us, to fight for us. Imagine your parents, they will instruct us. They will teach us. They will protect us. They will provide for us. And they fight for us. And God is our Father. So right now, the entire world, y'all, is in a flux. I mean, don't worry about it, Casey City. You're not the only one that's going through. There's an unseen enemy out here that's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, seeking who he can depress, seeking who he can take down a rabbit hole of despair, seeking who he can cause to lose hope, seeking who he can cause to take their eyes off of God, seeking who he can cause to consult the scientists or the physicians only. 
In the days of King Asa, God had given him victory after victory. Think about the past. Think about the victories that you've already had. God had given Asa victory after victory, victory after victory. Then one day he took his eyes off of God and he consulted some mercenaries to help him fight a battle and he won and God was grieved with that because Asa had consulted now with mercenaries, had looked to other things for help. And then Asa in the latter part of his life got gout, had a foot disease and was near death. And the Bible says that he did not consult the Lord. He consulted the scientists or the physicians only. And he died. You understand what I'm saying? And he died. This is a time where we can't just consult physicians. We just can't consult the science. We just can't consult the numbers. We have got to consult God. And the enemy wants to get our eyes off of God, wants us to take our eyes off of our help, like David, who began to number his troops because he began to depend upon the strength that he had now garnered as a result of his relationship with God. God didn't bring you this far to not trust him anymore. God didn't bring you this far to start trusting in the arm of the flesh. Some who trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the Lord. And we got to keep our trust and our faith in him. In your country, you, you've got a mandated lockdown. You've got a curfew and all the other stuff that go along with it. You have to be confident in this very thing that he that begun to work in you shall perform it unto the coming of our Lord. You have got to be confident that this too, whatever this is, shall pass. You got to be confident that trouble does not last always. You have to be confident that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. You have to be confident. You have to be assured of the fact that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And God has you protected. He'll keep them in perfect peace whose minds have stayed on him. He'll provide for you. Put the blood over the doorpost, over the doorpost over your heart. Plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your circumstances and your conditions right now. And God will see you through. Here in the United States of America, we're not locked down. We have no curfews. And for the record, we have more people in our community that have been infected by the coronavirus in our community than you have in the whole country of Australia. We have over 2,700 people in my neighborhood, in my city, affected by COVID. And you only have 26,000 in the whole country. Think about that. We've got some conditions and situations here, but we have not shut down our local church. We have been first responders. Our businesses are operating. Our restaurants, our bowling alley, our fitness center, our Christian academy is open. And we're still meeting the felt needs of the people of our community and surrounding area. There's still hundreds of people that come through each week that need food and clothing. Like the Red Cross, we're first responders. Like those who will go into a disaster zone in an area after a earthquake, a typhoon, a cyclone. We're there as the body of Christ reflecting the image of God being where people are hurting and people are needing help and assistance and God has kept us God has watched over us we do what we do though because we know we have a heavenly father that we can talk to consult with go to listen to and he helps us through trying times like these yes we're practical but we're also prayerful in order to get through this, you've got to be prayerful and practical. Yes, we obey them that have the rule over us. Yeah, glory be to God. But who are we to obey, God or man? We still have to do what God has called us to do, and we do it without fear. 
We do it through prayer because prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do right now. Listen to what the Father says about prayer. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You see that? God wants us to call on him, talk to him, go to him, and then listen to him. And God says, I'll heal you. It's almost as if God says, I'm allowing this to happen to get your undivided attention. And that's exactly what the verse, the passage before is interesting. It says that God may want our attention so bad that he may allow or even send a pandemic just to get us to talk to him. You don't believe it? Second Chronicles 7, 13. God says, the verse before our famous verse, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence or pandemic among my people, then if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'd hear in heaven forgive sin and bring a healing to your land. You see that? That's what God will do. So I want to leave you with some things that you need to know about our Heavenly Father during the times that we're in right now. I'm going to leave you with some concepts, four things that I believe that we need to know so that we can apply on Father's Day the benefits of our Father's relationship with us or our relationship with our Father. Jesus even said in that day, don't ask me nothing, but whatever you ask the Father in my name, that I'll do for you. So we understand that we have a Father who cares for us. Number one, our Father will instruct us. He will instruct us. People don't know what to do right now, but people are not consulting God. People are not going to the book. I'm doing a Revelation series right now, series right now where I'm walking through the book of the Revelation because I want to know what's ahead. I want to know what God has said. I want to be prepared for the last days. So God will instruct us. He instructs us through his word. Psalm 32 and 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you you. Oh, what a promise. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Often people ask me and say, what do we do now? Well, what you don't do is lean unto your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your path. He said, I will counsel you. Every time I ask God for insight, for help or strength to deal with these times, he's there to instruct me, teach me and counsel me. You've got to have an ear toward God, an ear toward heaven. God says, I do nothing except I reveal my secrets unto my servants, the prophets. And so we have got to be attending to God's ear and hearing what the spirit is saying at this time. He will make his will known. Just to know that he watches over me though is enough. Just to know that God knows what I'm going through is enough. If he, if he clothes the lilies and he attends the funeral of every sparrow, then I know he's got my back. Just to know that he's sovereign and on the throne is enough for me. Just to know that he is governing everything from the heavenlies. And to know that this light affliction is but for a moment. For whilst we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are just temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. We walk by faith, y'all, not by sight. The just must live by his faith. 
And right now in these times, I've consulted God and God has instructed me. Heed to the instruction though of the heavenly father. He gives the Holy Ghost to them that heed to his instructions to them that obey him. So he says to me that after that you suffered a while, the God of all comfort will strengthen you, settle you and establish you and to him, to our father be glory and dominion forever. That's the God we serve. Our father will instruct us. Number two, our father will protect us. He really will. And he is a protector. We know that. We run unto him and we're safe. The name of the Lord is a high tower. It's a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are saved. Psalm 32 and 7. You are, God, my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. You see that? God will hide us, protect us from trouble and surround us with songs of deliverance. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. We've not shut down our offices, Casey City. We have over 200 full-time employees and we haven't had to lay them off. We haven't shut down our businesses. Our restaurants are doing better than what they were before the pandemic, even right now in the middle of a pandemic. We've not shut down our schools. Our kids are in school, maybe 60, 70% of them in the classroom, the others online. And God has protected us. He's keeping us from infections and breakouts. He's keeping us from people becoming positive with this COVID-19. He has been our hiding place. He has been a safe refuge. He has been uh, our protector and he does that so well. He protects us. We've not hung up our harps on the willow trees. That's another reason why I believe God has kept us from disease and, and breakouts here because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And because we haven't hung up our harps on the willow trees, songs of deliverance are all around us and God lives in that praise. So we've got to yet praise. We're not there where we want to be yet, but we got to still praise. We got to offer God a yet praise. I don't have it yet, but I still praise you and I bless you. We worship God, not because of what he's doing, what he's going to do, but just for who he is. And when we do that, we create a space, an atmosphere for God to dwell. He lives in, abides in those praises. And so we got to yet praise him. You got to shout when you don't feel like shouting. You got to dance when nobody's playing any music. You got to run when nobody's chasing you. You got to lift up your hands in obedience unto God. If you got breath in your lungs, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. God honors that. God will see your faith. The devil will be confused. How can they praise God at a time like this? How can they praise God when they can't even go outside? How can they praise God when only one person in the house can go to the store? How can they praise God when they can't do this and they can't do that and they can't do that? My relationship with God had nothing to do. It's not predicated on what I can and cannot do in the natural. God said concerning Job, Satan said, does he serve you for naught? God says, yeah, Job don't serve me for what he can get from me. Job is a man full of integrity. He's going to serve me if he ain't got a pot nor a window. And we've got to learn this. Now, it does not matter how hard things get. We got to still serve God and worship him in spirit and in truth. I will trust in the Lord until I die. I will stay on the battlefield until I die. That ought to be our attitude because God is our protector and God is our 
teacher. He will instruct us. And then thirdly, our Father will provide for us. Oh, this is good because provision, this is supernatural provision that we're experiencing right now and people are all over the world. Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God who is what? And our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. A Father is a provider. He provides for his children. So when we are faithful in giving in the good times, oh, Paul's writing to these Philippians who were an asset to him, were blessing him, and then wanted to bless him when they didn't have it to bless him with, when they couldn't get it to him. And Paul is writing to them and said, man, because of your giving nature, because of your heart, you better believe my God shall supply all of your need according to your riches and glory, his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So when we're faithful in the good times in our giving and faithful in the bad times in our giving, he's faithful in the hard times and God will reward us. As a ministry, we haven't missed a beat. Our giving is up. Our attendance, we, we see 200 people on a Sunday. We allow them to come into the sanctuary. I literally can have a thousand people in here. But for the benefit and the safety of people, I keep it at a minimum because the church is not just a building. It is not just us assembling together. I train them for my absence. I train them from the absence of people and the need of, of folk in their life to make them whole. Jesus trained his disciples for his absence where they could function and even function better when he wasn't here and we're seeing that now people are still committed and people are still dedicated and people still want to do the work of ministry we still go out and meet needs and visit and do stuff as we are allowed to do it and as we can do it safely because we believe that God himself will provide for us because the text says in Proverbs 19:17, if you help the poor you are lending to the Lord and he will repent pay you. Because we help the poor, because we have ministered to the needs of the poor, because we never look down our noses at people that don't have what we have. The scripture said, whoever has this world's good and see his brother have need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how can he say the love of God dwells in him? We have met the felt need, continue to meet the felt need, and because we've given to the poor, we have lent to the Lord, and now God is paying us right now. I believe God is paying all of our bills, our salaries, our payroll. God is taking care of our light bills and our mortgage and God is taking care of all of this stuff and some. And right in the middle of this, we're getting ready to totally remodel uh, the outside of our buildings and totally remodel the inside and the outside of our mall. Right now, we've just repaid the entire parking lot at our high school and we're getting ready to do more work and replace the roof and stuff at our lower school and middle school. And we're doing this right now because we gave to the poor. And when you give to the poor and help the poor and help the needy and help the disenfranchised, he will repay you. Glory to God. So it's the Matthew 25 ministry, right? Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the jails and the prison, the nursing home, the hospitals, take care of the widows and the orphans, the disenfranchised, the outcasts, take care of those that nobody cares for or cares about. And when you do that, the Bible says God will repay you. He'll take care of you, supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And lastly, our Father will fight for us. Our Father, you know, the Bible says that our God is a man of war, that he fights for us. 
Glory be to God. Second Chronicles 20 and 17. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Stand still. You will not have to fight. Where did you hear that before? Remember when Goliath came down threatening the armies of Israel and David showed up to the battle with some crackers and cheese for his brother and heard this uncircumcised Philistine breathing out these threatenings and threatenings and slaughterings against the people of God? And he asked, who is it? You remember that? And then King Saul, he asked permission to go fight and King Saul tried to put his arm on him and David said, I can't use that. He said, King, you got to know this. There's a God out here and my God delivered me from the hand of the she-bear and the lion. And the same God that delivered me from the she-bear and the lion will deliver me and deliver this Philistine into my hands. He said, King, the battle is not mine. The battle is the Lord's. And you need to understand the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord. What you need to do is show up to the fight. What you need to do is just take whatever God has given you. David took five smooth stones. He knew how to use a slingshot. What you got? What you got in your hand? You got everything you need. What do you have in your house? You're going to be all right. The enemy will not defeat you. Don't let him put fear in you. Don't be afraid. Don't fear at this time. I'm going to show you. In the valley in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the people of God were surrounded and they were told not to get the catapults, not to get the spears. They were told not to go get the chariots. No, no, no. Don't get none of that kind of stuff. He said, no, 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 no. Don't fight in the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen, though we walk after the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. So put the catapults and the spears down. He said, do this. Go get some altos and sopranos. Go get some baritones and a couple of monotones and just go down there and sing. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Praise and mercy. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Mercy, grace, praise ye the Lord. And the Bible said that when they sang this song, when they lifted up praises to God, that the enemy began to ambush themselves, begin to condemn themselves and kill themselves and run for their lives. And that's what God is saying to us. Don't stop now giving praise. Deuteronomy 3.22 says, don't be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Ain't that good news? Don't be afraid of your enemy. Don't back down. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. The Lord is your helper. The Bible said, then you can say, the Lord is my helper and I shall not fear what man can do unto me. Man, if the Lord is on your side, whom shall you fear? The Lord is your strength of your life. Of whom shall you be afraid? Joshua 1 9 he says to Joshua have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go God is omnipresent omnipotent omnibenevolent um, he's just omni everything he's everywhere and has all power and knows all things he's omniscient he is God sovereign God and he's your father and he will go with you and fight with you he will go down to the fight. He'll hear about you in a battle and come and rescue you. 
That's the God we serve. Even if you're backslidden, even if you've gotten away from God, even right now you've grown stale and cold. And I told somebody the other day, sometimes people could miss worship services for two or three weeks and get so cold they never show back up. How about six months, eight months, almost a year now? What's going to happen when people are so far along away from God and they don't apply some of these things I'm saying right now? They don't pray to God. They don't commune with God. They don't fellowship with God. The love is going to grow cold. But let me say something to you. I don't care how cold you get or how far away you get from God. The moment you come to yourself, have a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of will. The moment you come to yourself and say, I will go home. Let me show you our Heavenly Father. Let me show you the type of father we need to be uh, acknowledging on this Father's Day. When he saw his prodigal boy who had been in a hog pen designed to eat what the pigs didn't eat, he saw him afar off, emaciated, and he ran. One time, a type of God you see in the scripture, he ran toward the boy, fell on his neck and kissed him and said, my boy that was lost is now found. And he said, let's have a party. Let's get the fatted calf, the, the golden ring, the purple robe, put some shoes on his feet. My boy is home. Glory be to God. For somebody, you need to come home. For somebody, you need to come to yourself. For somebody, you need to stop doubting God. You need to stop blaming God for what's going on right now. And you need to start acknowledging God as the true and the living God, the only God, the only hope the reason we're not consumed right now is that the Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all come to repentance he's not slack concerning his promises as men count slackness he's just holding on so that somebody can come to know him he's giving you an opportunity today that you might come to know him he sent me to you today to say come to Jesus just as you are weary worn and sad and what you'll find in him is a resting place Jesus will make you glad lift up your heads come on to him call upon the name of the Lord for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved that's what this is all about and lastly Deuteronomy 20 and 4 for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against all your enemies to do what to give you the victory I don't know about you but I've got the victory I don't know about you whose report shall you believe I will believe the report of the Lord his report says, I am filled. His report says, I am healed. His report says, I am free. His report says, victory. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind, because victory today is mine. What victory do we have? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So you need to understand that by faith, we'll overcome. So our Father is our Heavenly Father who wants to protect us and instruct us and provide for us, and He will fight for us. So let Him do it. Let Him do it. On this Father's Day, let's acknowledge the roles of our earthly fathers. Let's do that. Let's acknowledge the roles of our spiritual fathers. Let's do that. But let us trust in and believe in our Heavenly Father. Because he's the only one that can secure your future. He's the only one that can deliver you and keep you from the wrath to come. So Casey City Church and my son and daughter, Larry, Krishna, and my family, <laughs> my grandkids, Sean and Leon and Ryan and Olivia. You just need to know that across these waters, 
I may be halfway around the world, but you're right here in my heart. Kingston City Church, the Potter's House International Ministries, your sister church. We love you. We care for you. And whatever we can do for you, we will. But what we will do is point you to your Heavenly Father and let you know that God will never wean you off of Him onto anybody on earth. Trust Him. Believe in Him. Synergize. Connect with people. Know the power of unity. For when God sees unity, it's there He commands the blessing in life forevermore. Kingston City, you shall survive. The glory of the latter house shall be more glorious than the former. Receive it in Jesus' name. That this too shall pass. Receive it. Know that God has a plan for you that he has not counseled. Your assignment has not been counseled. Your destiny has not been destroyed. Delayed, but not denied. Be effective. Do what you know to do. I enjoy your services. I enjoy your creativity. I enjoy the personal touch that you give. I enjoy your series on the Beatitudes. I enjoy you dealing with mental health. I enjoy you blessing the total needs of the total man, meeting every need of man. And when you do that, God will pay you for it. Thank you for allowing me to come into your homes, your cars, on your cell phones, your iPads, your computers, your television screens in Australia. I love you, and I appreciate you. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers, and to Larry, Sebastian in particular, and the fathers of Casey City Church. I salute you guys. Stay strong, for the Lord that God is with you, whithersoever you go. Amen.